This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. I can't believe I'm saying this. This episode is brought to you by Lola V, an award-winning hair care line by the one and only Jennifer Aniston. Why did Jennifer Aniston start a hair care company? Because she was tired of choosing between hair products that work and hair products that are actually good for us. But thanks to Lola V, we never have to choose again. No silicones, no sulfates, parabens, or gluten. And of course, it's cruelty-free and vegan. The glossing detangler and perfect conditioner are my personal favorites. Not only do they repair the look of damaged hair, but they also shield it from future harm. The first step to unlocking confidence in your dating life and your daily life is feeling confident about your hair. So unlock Jennifer Aniston approved hair at lolav.com. And as listeners of Seeing Other People, you're getting an exclusive 15% off off of your entire order when you use code Seeing Other People at checkout. That's 15% off your entire order at lolavie.com with promo code Seeing Other People. Please note you can only use one promo code per order and discounts can't be combined. After your purchase, they will ask you where you heard about them. Please, please, please support Seeing Other People and let them know that I sent you. Hey guys, it's Alana and you're listening to Seeing Other People Unfiltered. Each Thursday on Unfiltered, I'll be bringing on a different anonymous guest to open up about their real life dating experiences. We'll discuss what they went through or are going through, how they navigated it, what they've learned, and what advice they have to anyone else going through something similar. Unfiltered is your reminder that no matter what you're going through, you're not alone. If you have a topic that you'd like to discuss on Unfiltered, please email your story to seeingotherpeoplepodcast at gmail.com to be considered for an episode. Real people, real stories, real life. This is Seeing Other People Unfiltered. Good afternoon. My name is Anonymous. I'm going to refer to myself as G this afternoon. I want to talk about a relationship of mine that lasted about six months. It was one of the most exciting and thrilling and chaotic relationships of my life. And I'm excited to share this story with you guys. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. I'm really excited to hear it. So let's start with how this relationship began. Take me back to the beginning. Okay. So I'm going to have to provide some context and I'll do that very quickly for you. I am recently divorced. I was in a 14 year relationship with my college sweetheart. We met when we were 19 and 18 years old. Uh, We got married when we were young, 23 and 24. Had our child uh, in 2018, bought our dream house in 2020. After 14 years, this um, this love of my life, uh, we're going to refer to her as M. She comes out as a late bloomer lesbian. And this was my best friend. Still is my best friend. Her family is uh, my support network. They're people that I consider my family. And when she came out, I had so many thoughts going through my head. And I said, Em, I have a million questions for you. Let's just take today and celebrate your newfound freedom. And that's what we did. We had an amazing evening celebrating her. Fast forward a few months, it was really two months, we decided to uh, begin dating uh, while we decide what we're going to do. Our first thought was, how is this going to affect our child? We thought back and forth and had tons of conversations about a poly lifestyle. And so we began dating outside while remaining, uh, living in the same house and remaining together. We did that for a little while. And then I met this woman who I quickly fell in love with. I'm going to refer to her as A. My ex-wife, we were still married at the time, but she started dating someone else as well and wanted to pursue that relationship. So we both talked and thought, how are we going to continue to grow externally with these new partners if we're still married? So we came to an amicable, friendly decision that 
it's best for our family unit to get divorced. So that's the path we started to pursue. So this relationship with A started in February of 2022 and went until August. And it was extremely exciting. It was new. Again, being with someone for 14 years, you kind of get into this habit, this way of living. And uh, I hadn't dated since I was 19 years old, right? I dated a few women in between my ex-wife coming out and me meeting A. Um, but when I met A, it was different. And it was the start of something extremely interesting. Well, I just want to first applaud you. I think, you know, I've had a lot of people come on unfiltered episodes to talk about either them coming out or, you know, them sharing this big piece of news with somebody important to them and how they would ideally want somebody to react. And I, I got chills when I first read your email and saw and like, and like, just read your reaction to her and said, I have a million questions, but let's take tonight to celebrate you and, and this freedom. I think that that is so beautiful and goes to show like what's in your heart and how much you do care for her and, and for other people in your life. And I just, I, I really admire that that was your reaction as I'm sure this was really shocking and life altering news for you, you know, to be able to kind of realize what's happening and, and what's important to do in that moment is just, it's, I applaud you for that. Um, when you started dating a, were you surprised that you could suddenly like have these feelings for somebody else so quickly? Yeah. And it's a great question for a bit of context. The last two to three years of my relationship with my ex-wife, something was different, right? Something was off about our communication, about our desire to spend time with each other. It was like almost as if we were two ships passing in the night, right? And I couldn't put my finger on it. You know, I had a friend, I had a therapist say, do you think she's cheating on you? I said, no, M is not that type of person, right? For the past 14 years of our life together, it was based off of trust, respect, love, right? And so when M told me that she was a late bloomer lesbian, while it was difficult and I had tons of feelings, it felt almost liberating. I was like, that is exactly what it was. Right? Yeah. I couldn't put my finger on why things were so different. It felt like I had lost this best friend of mine. And when she came out, I was like, okay, well, now I've lost a wife, but I've got my best friend back, right? I've got no. this person that yeah. I can connect with back again. And, um, we're so much closer than we were before her coming out, right? So it was a liberating feeling. And we were both quickly eager to start dating again, right? She, for her own reasons, to explore this new sense of self and me for this sense of, okay, well, I'm not losing anything, right? Like I'm losing a wife, of course. I'm losing this person that I've shared my life with, but they're still going to be in my life in a various uh, different, but various ways, right? As a co-parent, as a friend, no longer as a lover or uh, someone who I can emotionally dump things onto, right? But they're still there. And so, you know, I went on a few dates and for the first time since I was 19 years old, and it was a wild experience, right? Uh, just dating app culture, getting used to all of these different ways that everyone's living now. It's totally bewildering and I'm just glad I got to dodge it for 33 years of my life <laughs> yeah um, right just getting into it now so fortunate for that and grateful 
for the experiences I've had to date. But when I met A, um, I knew something was different than the other dates that I had gone on. And again, I, it was my chance to experience my 20s, right? To experience your typical, whether you're in college or not, you know, in some type of trade school or just doing your own thing, your typical 20-year-old experience where you're dating casually, maybe you're just having fun exploring yourself, exploring your body. And when I met A, this was her self-proclaimed year to explore as well. She was two years younger than I am. She's 31. And so we didn't intend to fall in love. Uh, and so, no, I wasn't surprised. You know, she was definitely uh, someone who I was attracted to on an intellectual level, on an emotional level, uh, certainly on a physical level. And we connected in so many aspects of our life. It just seemed so easy uh, until it wasn't. Yeah. So, okay. I have a lot of questions. I want to stay on track, but I want to back up a tiny bit. Knowing that this was your first experience with dating apps, with modern dating culture, like what did you do first? Like what app did you download? Who did you talk to to get advice about it? Like you're kind of just going in blind. Totally blind. Right. And fortunately, you know, my ex-wife and I uh, are good friends still. Right. And so she was giving me tips that she had more friends that had used the apps than I did. I have kind of two different types of friends, um, friends that are, you know, similar to my background, where they've been married for a while. They have children. Uh, and then those that have been singles, you know, since college. Um, so I reached out to a few of them and they suggested things like Tinder and your typical apps like Bumble and Hinge. And I was like, these seem so cringeworthy. Um, and my ex-wife recommended something to me that she got from her friends, which was an app called Field. So Field is an app designed and geared towards that ethical non-monogamous, polyamory, kink, BDSM lifestyle, right? And so that was certainly something that I am more into because it's people that know what they want. It's people that are vulnerable, that are willing to express their needs, their desires up front, where like my experience with the other apps, it's been more, uh, the culture is like people are just there using each other. They're not quite upfront and honest with their intentions, right? Field is the complete opposite of that. Right. I live in a very rural area. There's not that many people on field in my area, but um, it is what it is. It's certainly an app that I prefer. I love that you and M really went at it like as a team. You're like, we got this. Like, we're gonna share tips. We're gonna like encourage each other. Like, you guys both really were in this together, and I think that that's such a beautiful takeaway of, you know, your friend. Like you said, like your friendship. Like you got your best friend back. I think that is so cool. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. We're, you know, we both still support each other. And despite getting divorced, uh, you know, we're still friends. And I still consider her my family. And, you know, my therapist, she says often that I got divorced as a, a unit of law, not as a unit of love. And I just love that sentiment. I love that. Okay. So tiptoeing back to where we were going before, you said everything was great until it wasn't. So what started to flip that switch, what went wrong? Yeah, so from the beginning, A informed me she could never date someone with a child. She informed me she could never coexist in a blended family. And again, our intention was not to fall in love, but we talked for two weeks before meeting each other. We had an amazing first date. We connected immediately, and we wanted to continue seeing each other. And we did just that, knowing what everything that I brought to the table. And she was never married. She has no kids. 
So she has a little different life experience than I do. She had dated a lot, um, had a few toxic relationships with men. So uh, not to say that people can't get past, you know, the cards that they've been dealt in life, in life but she certainly had a difficult time trusting uh, me. And I think that's as a result of her past experiences with men, unfortunately. I'm not just a girl on the go these days. I am a chicken running around with its head cut off. Two podcasts, wedding planning, wedding attending, dog momming, traveling, and trying to eat well, move my body, and stay sane all at once is not a recipe for success. That's why I've turned to my recipe masters, aka Factor, which delivers ready-to-eat meals that taste delicious, make me feel good, and take a major thing off of my to-do list. Factor's meals are pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved and there are more than 35 options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie-smart, vegan, veggie, and more. Guys, I seriously can't say enough good things about Factor's meals. They take two minutes to heat up, which means I can pop them in the microwave between recordings, or I can grab a ready-made smoothie from the fridge on my way to a workout class, or I can even have dinner ready for me and Jake after a really long day of work without lifting a finger. It has changed so much and has really made me feel like there's one last thing I need to worry about. And I feel good after eating the meals. Like they're so delicious and nutritious. You can order as much or as little as you need by choosing six to 18 meals per week. And you can pause or reschedule whenever you need, which has been really helpful for me with on and off traveling that I've had over the last few months and over the next few months. And you guys know I love when things make sense financially and factor meals are less expensive than takeout. So you save money and you don't have to go anywhere to pick them up. Factors roasted garlic butter salmon and their tomato basil chicken risotto are two of my favorites that I keep ordering on repeat, but honestly, every single one of their meals has lived up to the hype. And of course, we are hooking you guys up. Head to factormeals.com slash seeingotherpeople50 and use code seeingotherpeople50 to get 50% off. That's code seeingotherpeople50 at factormeals.com slash seeingotherpeople50 to get 50% off. You guys are in for a treat because support for today's episode comes from the best of the best, Jenny Kane. And yes, there is a discount, so keep on listening. You know that feeling when you get a new sweater and it instantly becomes basically another layer of your skin? Like you wear it everywhere for everything all the time. Okay, well, Jenny Kane has become my literal uniform. And if you don't know Jenny Kane, I'm pretty much about to change your life because Jenny Kane's clothes did that to mine. Jenny Kane is a California brand with luxurious staples that will transform your closet. Think minimalist and effortless, but totally refined. They have the coziest cashmere sweaters and iconic accessories that will elevate your everyday basics. I don't know if I wear my cashmere fisherman hoodie or my cropped cashmere cocoon cardigan more. All I know is that I cannot live without either of them. Whether it's a cozy night in with the girls, a dinner date with Jake, or catching a flight to Florida to see my parents, these sweaters are perfect for every single occasion. And I couldn't be happier when I'm wearing them because I'm so comfy. And you guys know me. I always choose comfort over how something looks. But with Jenny Kane, I don't have to choose because I get comfort and I get style. All right. So we have the discount code coming for you. Find your new uniform at JennyKane.com. Seeing other people listeners get 15% off their first order when you use code SOP at checkout. That's 15% off your first order at J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com. Promo code SOP. S-O-P. Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about. Our relationship started hot and heavy, right? She opened up uh, my life in ways that hadn't been opened in, in years. I've never been a spontaneous person, right? Especially once you have a kid, you just you stick to kind of your day-to-day. Uh, I desire this sense of control, this fake control, as if I know what's going to happen tomorrow. That felt warm and comfortable to me. 
So like get it on the calendar. We know what's happening, right? Drop off, pick up. This is the daily routine. My days with A were anything but routine, right? I was risk adverse, always have been. A got me to jump out of an airplane. We went skydiving, right? We did all these amazing things together. We learned about each other and ourselves, our own bodies. We went to sex clubs. We did these amazing experiences, right? That were totally outside of my comfort zone, but I loved feeling the way I did when I was with her. And that was so exciting. But quickly into the relationship, A had expressed concerns and anxieties about how often that I spoke with my ex-wife, that I um, was in the same room with my ex-wife, and she had a difficult time believing and trusting me when I said, I'm getting divorced, but that does not inhibit our ability to grow. She often felt like she was the other woman, that because I would be using a day or two of my vacation days with my ex-wife to spend time with my child, that I'd be choosing my ex-wife over her. And that was a really difficult um, belief. It was something that I tried to defend and, and insist that, look, my daughter is my priority. And me being in the same room with my ex-wife to spend time with my daughter is not detrimental to our ability to grow as a couple. And I tried hard and hard again to get her to see my perspective, but I don't think at the end of the day, she ever could believe me. Yeah. And I'm sure a lot of that comes from what she's been through in her past relationships, but it's tough because when, when you get hurt like that, it's like you do put your guard up. You do want to protect yourself and protect your heart. But at the same time, you also you know, I, I always believe in like giving everybody a fresh slate, like just because one person hurt you doesn't mean that next person you're going to meet is that you're going to meet is going to do the same thing. But it's really a lot easier said than done. What were these conversations like? Like, was she being upfront saying like, this is really hard for me for these reasons? Or was she like just getting, you know, upset and being passive aggressive and not really explaining why or not being open to listening? No, one thing I loved about A was she was such a direct communicator. And that made things really easy at times, right? Because we didn't have to guess where we where each other stood when we tried to support each other's needs, wants, and desires. But it got to the point where I was feeling guilty and anxious just being in the same room with my ex-wife because of the comments and things that A would say. Fast forwarding just a little bit, one of the last things A said to me when we were together, and I forget it was in my house or her house, but we were leaving in the morning and she said, I don't want you to go or I don't want to go. And I said, why not? And A said, because I don't like you when I'm not with you. That was a really difficult thing to hear and it felt so controlling. We often would argue when we weren't together because if I was dropping off my daughter or picking up my daughter and I was there lingering for a little while, I felt anxious or uncomfortable because, oh, drop-off's taking longer than I thought, what would A think about this, right? Or if there was one weekend where A was in New York for the long weekend and my ex-wife invited me to go bowling with my daughter. Now, A and I weren't going to have the opportunity to see each other that weekend. And I had no plans to go um, do anything with any friends or do anything by myself. Um, and I said, yeah, I'd love to go bowling with you, M, and my daughter. And I uh, just let A know, hey, I'm going to be going bowling tomorrow. A got so disturbed she said well it's not your day to watch your daughter why are you going to go spend time with your ex-wife you know um she felt like the other woman and that just 
it was so difficult because she could never connect the dots. It was never about me spending time with my ex-wife, despite being friends with her. And that was something we argued over a lot, the word friends. They wouldn't accept that we were friends. She said, you're friendly. Don't call yourself friends. And that was one of those, okay, like, can I die on this hill? Is it worth it? So I started saying, okay, we're friendly. And I stopped saying we're friends. And when you start to change the way you show up for other people, when you start to change your core values for someone else, that's when you have to take a hard look at yourself and say, is this really a healthy relationship for me to be in? And I didn't want to do that work. I didn't want to acknowledge the fact that this person was making me lie to myself. And uh, that was such a difficult headspace to be in. Yeah, I think hearing you say that you felt guilty, you know, going bowling or you felt anxious if drop off or pickup was taking longer. It's like you knew that you weren't doing anything wrong, but at the same time, you knew that your completely innocent actions were hurting somebody else that you cared so deeply about. And that is such a tough position to be in because it's like, what else can you say or do to show her that you care about her? You're not going to cut ties with your child, your ex-wife, you know, you wanted, you tried so hard to create this, you know, family unit and you and your ex-wife obviously wanted to prioritize, like making sure your daughter grows up in a way that you would want her to. And that's something where it's like you that there are a few things I feel like that we can't compromise on for somebody else. And I'm sure at times you probably thought like, well, should I like, did you ever like feel like you were maybe like walking on that line? Like, is it worth it? Like how far would I go for this person? Absolutely. And it was such a, such a difficult place to be in mentally. I often felt like I was having to choose between spending time with my daughter or spending time with a, you know, uh, my ex-wife and I developed a marital separation agreement during the divorce process. And it states 50, 50 custody, uh, in a 14 day period, we'll each have her seven days. So 50, 50, it's a two, two, three schedule alternating every other week. And A would often say, why don't you stick to your schedule, two, two, three. But my wife, my ex-wife and I, we make this weekly schedule. It's based off of gratitude, empathy, and flexibility. If one of us has something pop up, the other is more than welcome to adjust their time for that person. And A could never see how that would be able to benefit us, right? It was so difficult. And I did find myself often staying home from a play date that I was invited to when I had no other plans and wouldn't be able to spend time with A or going to something and feeling so guilty and saying, should I even bring this up that I'm going to this play date? And I always would. I was always very honest and transparent. And that's when the arguments would start when we weren't together. I would say, hey, I'm going to go to this play date or I'm going to go to this neighbor's house. And I mentioned earlier in the episode, my ex-wife and I bought uh, my dream home in 2020, a year before my ex-wife came out, um, I decided to stay in the house, but my ex-wife is still friends with all the neighbors. So she's constantly over there. I get invited over there sometimes as well. Now that A and I are separated, I'm still going over and joining them just for an hour or two on days that my ex-wife has my daughter. I'll go say hi, play with the neighbor, play with their kids. But I didn't do that when I was with A. I stayed home. 
despite being able to see the house across the street that my daughter was in because I knew if I was over there and if I was honest about it, they would not find that acceptable. And I hated feeling so trapped. Uh, it made me feel guilty and anxious just being in the same room with A. I remember two months into dating A, so this was early on. It was Easter. I have this picture on online. It's of my ex-wife, my daughter, and I taking a family photo for Easter. And I am a good foot and a half away oh. from my ex-wife. My ex-wife is holding my daughter, and I have my palm on my daughter's back. But I am stretching my arm as far as I can to not be too close. And I remember that Easter, and I remember feeling so guilty for being there. So holidays were important to A. And so if I wasn't with A on a holiday, it was bad news. I remember having a conversation in May with A about Thanksgiving. And A said, if you're not with me on Thanksgiving, it's going to be World War III. And I, t I looked at A and I said, look, I've got a, six, a sick mom and a child. I don't know where I'm going to be on Thanksgiving, but I know we can compromise to make, to honor family traditions and make everyone feel safe, secure, and loved. And that wasn't the answer she was looking for. She needed to be priority number one. And she has that right to request that, but that's not something I could give her. Knowing that in the beginning, obviously you both, you know, you didn't expect to fall in love. You didn't mean to, you didn't plan for it. But knowing what she said about like, I don't want to be with somebody who has kids and knowing that that was your situation, you know, you did, you met up, you had this amazing first date. As things progressed, was there like, at what point were you like, oh, well, I know what she wants. She knows what she wants. And I am not that thing because of this reason, maybe I should, one of us should walk away from this. I think we both struggled with that and we both evolved during our time together. She quickly jumped online to do research about being a stepmom. She quickly changed her cadence from, I could never date someone with a kid to, this is going to be scary, but I think I can do it. Okay. Unfortunately, she overthought a lot of things. And I'm big into researching things and finding out questions for myself as well. But I think she took it to an extreme. And some of the avenues and vehicles she used for her research were more validation-seeking than educational. She would jump on online forums such as Reddit, go to this subreddit forum where everyone has negativity and not a positive thing to say about step parenting just validated her fears and her belief that this is the, the hard road she had um even her mother and her friends didn't think that she was making a wise choice in choosing me her mother would say i don't support you guys you're dating someone with a child you know what does he have to offer you and we had never met before i had never met her mom and so to be under that lens of scrutiny and to receive that judgment uh, was very frustrating. And to be fair, A was frustrated too by those comments. I do believe A tried her best to love me and um, 
because I felt it, you know, I loved her so much and I do believe she loved me too, but I think the door got too heavy. And that's something that I said often. I was always worried that the door would get too heavy and the timing wasn't great at the time of A and I's separation. My ex-wife had just moved out two months prior. So we were still living together. We were, you know, we were in different floors of the house, sleeping in different beds, but for a long portion of A's and I relationship, my ex-wife and I were still in the same house. So that was difficult. That made the optics look not great on paper, right? Uh, I think the door just got too heavy. Did you ever introduce A to your ex-wife? Did they ever have the chance to meet? And how, if so, how did that go? Because I see you nodding. I did. I thought it would be very important because quickly on, you know, I felt guilty and anxious. And I just thought to myself, if they could just meet, they both could just release these negative perceptions they have of each other. A would realize that my wife is no threat to her. And you'll notice me saying wife and ex-wife because for a large portion of the time A and I were dating, my ex-wife and I were still married. So, you know, time stamping in my head can be off a little bit. That's mm -hmm. why you may find me switching between the two terms. So sorry if that's confusing. But they did meet. We all went out for drinks and I thought it went well. The feedback I received from A and my ex-wife was positive. A little bit later on, A confides in me that she didn't like the way my ex-wife was staring at me and talking to me. And that just was very confusing. So at the end of the day, I don't think it really helps the situation, but that's one of those things where do I blame myself or does it matter what I would have done? Would it have made any difference in the way she saw me? She believed in me. And to be honest, I don't think it would have. I always believed in us and the relationship that A and I could have and grow into and in our future. I always believed in us. And I said that to her so often. And that's something she could never repeat to me. I don't think she ever trusted me, believed in me when I said that I loved her and that my divorce, the way I'm handling it, it won't impact our ability to grow. I think that was, you know, uh, A's truth when she told me she could never be in a blended family, but I couldn't accept yeah. that. And I don't think for a while she wanted to accept that either. I do believe she tried to give it her all, but despite giving it her all, her past experiences and the people she surrounded herself with made it impossible. To your knowledge, is there anything that you can pinpoint that you did or said that would have led her to not fully trust you? Or was it entirely her previous experiences? I do think there's one event that degraded our trust quite a bit. In May, we were scheduled to go to upstate New York for a long weekend trip for Memorial Day weekend. My parents have a lake house up there and it's a really nice just kind of get away. At this point in May, my ex-wife and I are still living together. And so that means our daughter is living with us full time. We have not yet moved to 50-50 custody. This lake house that my parents have in upstate New York, uh, my mom has been battling anorectal cancer for the past four years. This was her retirement home. 
And so I think it was a poor choice to take A up to a place that was so sentimental to me. It's where my daughter first learned to crawl. It's got pictures of my mother everywhere. And I was so excited to take A on this trip. And I know she was excited too. And remember, this is a holiday. So holidays are important to her, to A. So we drive up to upstate New York. We have a wonderful drive up there. We get there Thursday night. Friday, we have an amazing day. The, the water is nice and, and not too chilly, but swimmable. We spend all day outside. Saturday, we have a nice day. Saturday evening, I just start to get anxious. I start missing my daughter and the thought of moving to 50-50 custody is looming. It's almost two months away. And I have this urge to go see my daughter, to go home. Saturday night, A and I have a nice evening. I wake up Sunday and I'm feeling so anxious. I have this desire to see my daughter. Uh, not to FaceTime her, not to call her, but to hold her. Because I am so terrified of moving to 50-50 custody. It's hard to describe to someone who doesn't have a child. You're used yeah. to waking up every morning and seeing them in your bed with you or putting them to bed every night. And just the thought of that being taken away was terrifying. And so three days into this trip, I'm shaking. I can't think of anything but my daughter. The pictures of my mom everywhere on the walls is not helping either. Knowing that since my parents bought this retirement house in 2017, I've been able to use it more than my mom has. It's a difficult place to be. A very emotional, yeah, very anxious feeling. And so I asked A, I said, hey, I would really like to, to leave Monday morning on Memorial Day, but I know you don't like to wake up early, so we could also decide to leave tonight, Sunday night. And that was, I think, the real start of our downfall, if you will. I think it all took a turn that weekend. When I, I guess I didn't really ask, right? I kind of gave her two options. I said, hey, can we leave either Monday morning or Sunday night? And I don't think at the time I was able to clearly articulate my needs. I wasn't able to clearly articulate how anxious and terrible I felt and how scared I was of moving to 50-50 custody and losing that time with my daughter. And being away from her for three days to this point was, was hurting me. It wasn't about not having a good time with A. I was having such an amazing getaway with her. It was the first time we've had to, we got to spend a long weekend together. We had been looking forward to it all month and it was off to a great start. But this desire in me to leave uh, ruined that trip, absolutely. And I understand that that was a selfish decision on my part to ask her to end her holiday short. And I should have been able to better articulate my needs in that moment. But instead of her seeing me, seeing how I was hurting and being empathetic, empathetic to that, she was extremely frustrated that I was basically stealing this holiday from her, that we'd be getting home Monday afternoon and she had no Memorial Day plans with her friends or family, that she was going to spend a Memorial Day by herself. And so we left Monday morning. We spent six hours in the car arguing about if I was ready to commit myself to her or to any relationship. 
And unfortunately, without the ability to articulate my boundaries and my needs, I ended up getting slightly defensive. Not in an aggressive manner at all, just in a way to say, look, like, I'm so sorry, like, I need to be home to see my daughter. And that was too difficult or not an acceptable response. And so A and I were so close to breaking up that day, but we both decided that we were both worth it and we were going to give it a try. So we stayed together. But that particular moment, I think, is when the trust started to crumble. Thank you for sharing that story. I mean, there's so much in there. And like, I... I can't even begin to imagine what you were feeling. I mean, I was just away from my dog for a week and like I almost cried every day and I can only imagine that's like 1% of the feeling that you were experiencing and that other people in your position would feel. And, and you know, that, that weight that you had to carry of knowing that the 50-50 custody would be starting soon. Like, of course you're going to be scared. Of course that's upsetting. Of course that's something that is just causing so many emotions. And I'm sorry that, you know, this unfolded this way, because in my mind, hearing you explain it, even if you know, you had uh, better words to explain it to me right now than you did in that moment. It doesn't seem unfair. It doesn't seem like you did anything wrong at all and it doesn't seem like something that would lead to trust being broken or anything like that and and like I'm frustrated for you that that's what happened because I I feel like yeah like okay it's the holiday but isn't the person that you're with who you're you know, forming this relationship with like, isn't how they feel so much more important than the fact that it's a holiday and a day off work and you had this amazing weekend together. And I don't know that that is so tough. And I'm just, I'm really sorry that you had to go through that. And then that's what kind of started to flip that switch because it really doesn't seem like something that was like worthy of that reaction. And in that, in that moment, I really needed someone to see me and to believe me yeah. and to understand yeah. what I was going through. And unfortunately, she had trouble seeing and believing me and understanding me. She was a very empathetic person. She was a very open-minded person. But when it came to my daughter, I'm going to refer to her as C., A always said, you're using the C card. And that was so painful because my daughter is not a card to be used. She's a human and her well-being is my utmost responsibility. Her well-being is my priority, number one. Yeah. And to get this comment thrown in my face time and time again, you're just using your C card. No, she's not a card. This is a human. That's a human who I love and I will always love and I have to be there for. And listen, my daughter was having a wonderful weekend with her mom and her grandparents. 
this was not a, a need for me to come home early, but it was my need because I felt so trapped and so terrified of the custody uh, looming, right? But just that, that comment gives you a little bit of insight to where A had difficulty seeing and believing me. Was it that she specifically didn't want to be a step parent or did she actually not want to be a parent either? So she certainly desires to have a family. Okay. She's 31. She does want children. She does want to get married. And uh, she does want children of her own. I lose it's you. almost like hard to put those pieces together. It is. Um, I think I expressed multiple times this fear of not being a mom to having a four-year-old overnight. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. always told her I would never expect something that with something like that of you. Like any relationship, it's going to take time to develop, to trust, to love. And as much as I loved A and I wanted to spend my life with her, I was so excited for her to meet my daughter because I know they would have loved each other. And it hurts knowing that they won't be in each other's lives because I saw the best in A and maybe that's unfair of me to put her on that pedestal that she doesn't deserve to be on. But I knew she was capable of giving me what I needed, giving me the autonomy to make decisions which I felt were based for my family unit. But she could never do that. And that was so difficult and frustrating to come to terms with. Did they ever meet or no? A did meet my ex-wife, but she never met my daughter. Not your daughter. So things took a turn Memorial Day weekend what I imagine, you know, after that is when you started feeling anxious and guilty when you were seeing your ex-wife and your daughter, what finally pushed it over the edge to the point of you and I actually breaking up? So I started feeling anxious and guilty from the jump. Remember uh, April was Easter and we started dating in February. Uh, It was just a slow build, right? A boiling pot that bubbled over as time progressed. We broke up, I think three times over the same thing, got back together saying, look, like we both love each other. Like we can make this work. And at the end of the day, it just got too much where I think we were both to a certain extent checked out. She was frustrated at expressing her needs and not having them fulfilled. And I was so anxious and guilty, I couldn't operate. I couldn't be two places at once. And I couldn't be spending time with my in-laws who have always supported me since I was 19 years old. My parents live in Memphis still. That's where I was raised. My dad's from Maryland. So when I was looking at colleges, he said, look, just go tour my alma mater. See what you think. I went on a tour. I fell in love and I never came home. So I see my parents about twice a year. I see my my in-laws twice a week. 
they are my parents. I consider them family. I have an amazing relationship with my parents too, but I am so fortunate to have two sets of parents, right? And I find, found myself walking back from them and walking back from my ex-wife and at the expense of my daughter's well-being. And I'm so grateful and fortunate how my ex-wife and I are co-parenting. All my daughter sees around her is love, compassion. She's not losing anything. Eventually, she may gain other people in her life who love and support her. And I was hoping that A could have been one of those people. But life is no storybook. No, it's not. Do you regret the relationship? Or if you, you know, could go back in time to when you guys met and had that amazing first date, would you undo it? Or do you feel like even though it ended the way it did, there's still so much you like gained from it? It's such a difficult question. And one that I think about a lot, but I always find myself coming to the same conclusion. And that's that I'm so grateful for that relationship. There was a lot of pain, a lot of sorrow, and a lot of anxiety that I'm still dealing with to this day. But for the first time in my life, I met someone that I felt safe and secure and vulnerable with. Someone that I didn't fear judgment from. Someone that I could walk around without my armor on, is what I used to say. And that's such a freeing feeling. Not to say that my ex-wife and I didn't have a good relationship, because we did. It was 14 years of trust, respect, and love. But this was different. Despite the pain, despite the way it ended, I'm so glad I met her and spent the time with her that I did. I love that. And I love to hear that. And, and I see it in like the way your face is. Like the, you, You're smiling when you talk about her. And I'm glad that you had that experience, even though obviously it didn't go the way you wanted. And like you said, like there was all this pain, like you still got so much from it and you experienced so much and felt so much. And I think that's so important to, you know, be able to look back on relationships no matter how they ended and be grateful for the fact that you did meet this person. You were able to connect and to love in this way. And I just think that's something that, you know, I hope everyone can kind of take away because not all of us have like great past relationships to look at. And and sometimes, you know, we think about the things we've been through and it just fills us with like anger and hatred, but there is always something beautiful you can take away from it. And so I'm glad that you can look back and, and smile and think positively about it. I think one of the most difficult things for me to process is a part of how it ended. I do believe a, in a sense, demonized me to make it easier for her to walk away. Yeah. And I just hope she realizes one day that love is such a terrible thing to hate. Whether it's the love that we had and shared together or the love that I will always have with people who I call family, my in-laws, my ex-wife. It's a different type of love. It's not an intimate love. It's not a romantic love. This is someone who I will always support and care for. And so that's the sentiment. Love is a terrible thing to hate. Yeah. Wow. How are you doing now? 
today's a good day. And I'd be lying if I said I'm not living a day at a time. Yeah, that's all you can do. That's all you can do. One day at a time. Exactly. And it's okay to have bad days. Absolutely. Trying to reconnect with joy. Do things that I am excited about. I play lots of volleyball, which can be hard because A and I play volleyball together. But I play volleyball three days a week. I exercise regularly. I've been reading a lot. These things bring me joy. They bring me tranquility. And while I am dating in a casual way, uh, it's more of a means of distraction right now. Yeah. And it that's okay. And that's great that you can do that, but also be aware of it. I think that's what's important. Yeah, and I think it's important to just be honest and transparent with my expectations with individuals that I'm engaging with. So I'm not hurting anybody. And I would yeah. never want to do that. And so that's why I really despise app culture. Um, again, field is a little bit different, but uh, you know, I try to meet people out in the open as, as difficult as it, is, as it is to put yourself out there. I certainly prefer that. Yeah, it's it definitely pays off if you can do that and if you can practice and you never know what will happen if you just say hi to someone. So I love that you're doing that. Absolutely. All right, my last question. My favorite question, and I feel like there's so much in this episode that qualifies as this answer, so I'm curious what you're going to say, but what is the best piece of dating advice you've ever received? That I've ever received? Okay. Received or have to give? Okay. I'm going to do have to give. Great. And I'll mention it again. It's to be honest and to be genuine because at the end of the day, Someone may be out there that's looking for exactly what you're looking for. Doesn't have to be a long-term relationship. Doesn't have to be short-term. But just being honest and genuine. I think that, look, at the end of the day, all you have to answer to is yourself, and only you will be judging yourself. So if you can sleep at night being dishonest to someone, you do you. Couldn't be me. So be it. Yeah. Well. Couldn't be me either. Well, thank you so, so much for being here and for sharing your story. And I am just, I'm so appreciative you came on and that you reached out. And to everyone who listened, thank you for listening. Please share this with a friend who you think would love to hear it. Share it on your story if you loved it. I am so grateful for everyone who has ever come on Unfiltered and for everyone who listens. So thank you guys so much. And Anonymous, again, thank you for being here. And... I will talk to you guys next time.